I'm Gloria. I live in Dubai in the UAE. We're GMT plus four. So it's, um, yeah, it's a beautiful sunny day this afternoon. It's been sunny. It's always sunny. <laughs> um, my husband's name is Dave. He is a church planter. 15 years or so ago, we planted Redeemer Church of Dubai um, here on the north side of town. And uh, in our church, there are people from about 70 nationalities. It's a fantastic little taste of heaven um, to have so many people from so many places. But it's also the most challenging thing um, because we are all from so many different places. And this side of heaven, we're all struggling to, to get there together, united. So I'm so grateful for the gospel. Uh, God saved me when I was 18. I went to church my entire childhood, so many different uh, different churches, different programs. Um, but the reality of it is I was blind. I had that um, what scripture describes as a, as a three-part spiritual disability. I needed a new heart. I was blind and I was deaf. So... The Spirit of God overcame my spiritual disabilities um, through the witness of some young ladies in college. So in my university, they shared the gospel with me and invited me to Bible studies. And I got to read the Bible uh, with new eyes and new ears and a new heart. And everything came alive uh, because I was now alive in Christ. Um, I met my husband, Dave, at church in an evangelism class, hmm. uh, which is a great to meet guys <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we met in an evangelism class and he and I were the only friends that we had who wanted to um, had a, some similar goals so many similar things in common I moved around a ton uh, growing up my dad was in the military and uh, my husband's father was in contract work so he moved up so many times and so both of us had these things in common um, and uh, yeah, shortly thereafter decided, let's go get to know each other better. And then we got married and had our first child who is now 16. So she was one when we moved to Dubai. Mm. Um, so she's grown up here her whole life. And then the other three kids, I have four. The other three were born here. So this is really all they know. When we go back to the United States, on vacation and they're in a foreign country <laughs> so, um they uh and it is kind of more foreign the more times we go back we realize wow mm. things are really changing here mm. uh, it's so different than it was 15 years ago mm. um dave and i've been married 21 years let's see what else i love people uh, I love talking, so you're going to have to keep me on track. <laughs> Is there, are there more things about me? You've written a few books. I have written a few books <laughs> because talking is almost like writing. <laughs> what did you do? Uh, you write it down. What did you study at university? Was it, was it English? Did you I say? did. I studied yeah. English at university, and then I went to seminary and studied Christian education. Mm. Brilliant. Great. Oh, well, thank you for that uh, summary. Um, yeah, sorry, I should have uh, 
Antonio's just coming on now. Yeah, so going back to the, the questions, Gloria, um, yeah, if you can kind of talk us through what you sort of humble service and giftings and everything, that'd be great. Thank you. Yes. So this is this is a huge topic. It's massive because um, God made it. Mm. And our example and um, he's our role model. He's also our power is Jesus, the one who came to serve not to be served. Uh, the one who has since saying that he's been crucified, buried, raised, and ascended and enthroned in heaven. He has also given us his Holy Spirit, each of us who believe in Christ. We have his spirit, his power to do the things that he's designed us to do. So um, humble service is is who we are because we are Christians. Um, we are in Christ, and he is the ultimate of all of those things. Um, how did he serve us? Well, he did so many things. There's, He's fulfilled all righteousness on our behalf. He has atoned for our sin on the cross, has risen from the grave, and has taken us with him. Mm -hmm. So we are raised with Christ. We identify with his death. His, li his life, his death, his resurrection, and his reign. Mm -hmm. So as we are in him, um, we humbly serve with the strength that he provides. So I want to show you a few passages in scripture, the entire New Testament you could look at for all of those topics, of course. Um, but a few stood out to me. Let's see if I can technologize myself over here to my online Bible. Mm. I did it. <laughs> okay. Uh, in Romans 6, if you have your Bible, open up to Romans 6, where Paul is talking to believers who live in Rome, and he is teaching them about who they are. Mm -hmm. So in Romans 6, his argument has gone from this is what the gospel is. Here's what the gospel does. Here's how you're saved. And now here in the middle of the book, he's talking about their identity in Christ, who they are, and the implications of that. Um, this in particular is about dying to sin and living to God, which has everything to do with humble service. So I'll read the passage for mm -hmm. us. Um it's the whole chapter. So in verse one, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I'll pause. This walking in newness of life is the new creation. Mm -hmm. We are participating as participants of new creation. We are new creations in Christ. We are participating in that kingdom that he talked about in the gospels where he said the kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming. And it's here, but it's not yet here. So this is what theolog theologians call the already not yet tension of the kingdom. 
yes, the new creation has arrived because he's creating us new from the inside out. We have a new heart, uh, a new spirit, Christ's spirit in you. However, when you look around, you look at your council estate, you say, this is not new. <laughs> uh, I look around Dubai, this, is, this, is, this cannot be the kingdom. This cannot be the kingdom he talked about, where righteousness and freedom and truth and justice reign. That's not it. This isn't it. It's not yet. Mm. But it's coming. Mm. So it is already, but not yet, at the same time. So when Paul says we're walking in newness of life, he's talking about new creation life. New creation life has qualities and characteristics about it that are radically different from the life that the world has. Uh, new creation life is immortal. New creation life has uh, eternal reward. New creation life has irresistible power because it's the Holy Spirit's power. Mm. So these are enduring things that we do when we participate in newness of life and in ministry. So I know that sometimes you do ministry and you think, what was that? Mm. <laughs> Did anybody benefit from that? Or am I just exhausted? <laughs> or you, you, you think, why did we do that? Would we ever do that again? Was this worth it? You, you begin asking questions. Mm. But what we need to remember um, that ministry that Jesus does through us, he's very happy for he will not waste it. He has planned it from before times, the good, the good work that he's prepared for us to walk in. And he's empowered us to do it. And he wastes none of it. Mm. He's totally pleased with the work he's doing in the world through his hands and feet, his body, us. So don't be disparaged or discouraged about the ministry you do by the strength of the spirit because Jesus isn't. Mm. Um, it's new creation ministry. It's new creation life that we're participating in. Back to Romans 6 in verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. His resurrection was not metaphorical. Jesus' resurrection was literal physical, spiritual, real. Ours is all of those things except physical. Mm. We are literally resurrected. We are raised with Christ. We are really new creations, truly. Um, not physical yet. That comes later. Um, Lord willing, soon. <laughs> sooner. <laughs> now, about three, four minutes sooner than when the Zoom call started. Um, will be our, our resurrection when all of the new creation is consummated and our insides match our outsides and the world matches mm. all of the new creation that God has planned. So as we're walking in newness of life, we look forward to being resurrected like him in all the ways that he's been raised. Mm. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved 
Interesting. So that old self is your position in the old man, the old Adam, the first man, the first Adam. So if you, when you read through Romans, you see this theme of first Adam, last Adam, first Adam, last Adam. Jesus is compared to Adam, whom we're all born in. That's why we all have sin, because we're all born into Adam, the first man. And why? Thank you, Adam, for your sin. And then he's passed on to all of us. When we are born again, we are born again in Christ, who is the last Adam. So Adam is the old self. Our position in the old self, the old Adam, the old world is spiritually destroyed. When we become Christians, you are <laughs> not part of that old creation anymore. You have been raised with Christ God transfers you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his son, so that sin doesn't reign in your mortal body anymore. It's not your master anymore. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are a slave to Christ, who has good works, humble service planned for you. So verse 7 says, for one who has died... <laughs> has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. That's his new life, his resurrection life. He's been raised. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's us. We have to consider ourselves as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is so much harder than it sounds, guys. <laughs> um, it's one simple sentence to say in English, very easy words to pronounce, a child could memorize it, you could translate it into another language quite easily, but living that out, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's one of the most challenging daily, hourly, minutely things to remember that I'm dead to sin. I don't have to sin. I don't have to be a slave to sin. I don't have to pretend that I'm helpless. I'm not. I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. Um, I have a soul that will never die. And that means I can serve with joy. Even though all of those earthly circumstances, your schedule, the budget, the demands on you, the difficulty of what's been asked of you, all of those temporary earthly circumstances are real. But you don't have to submit to a grouchy, um, fine, I'll do it kind of attitude when it comes to service. So you can humbly say, whatever God equips and enables me to do, I'm happy to do because he gives me the strength to do that. It's all for him anyway. Um, Lord, use me. Uh, and whatever you ask me to do, you're going to have to equip me because I don't have anything in my own. <laughs> Not even the good attitude. The good attitude comes from him also, by the way. So mm. we can't even take credit for that. Mm. Not that we'd want to. We'd never want to stand before Jesus and say, I had such a super great attitude. Look at me. 
<laughs> we would all uh, be embarrassed and ashamed to say that we want to do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to serve in such a way that it is obvious Christ is the one working through us and Christ is the one getting all the praise and all the credit for anything we do, including our humility. Um, mm. Because he's the one who gives that. Mm. So we can die to the sin that stands in the way of our humble service. For me, I'll just be super honest here. I kind of feel like I'm more important than the people who ask me to do things. <laughs> um, and then sometimes I'll keep records. I've already done that. I did that five times already. <laughs> this is the 15th time I'm doing this. You know, in my head, I don't say it out loud. I just say it in my head <laughs> and feel better about my bitterness and, and um, you know, justify it. I have reason to feel very frustrated and, and grouchy about this kind of service because (laughs) people are stepping on my toes or asking me to do things that they should do themselves or it's about time that uh that they did it on their own Mm -hmm. um not naming any names of any of my kids (laughs) 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 but that attitude Mm -hmm. can should be looked at in light of the gospel and at the foot of the cross where the grace of Jesus Christ who died for me while I was still a sinner um, can inform my heart posture toward the people around me. These are the people I would die for. Why is it so hard to make them a sandwich? Right? If I would throw myself in front of a bus to save one of these people I love, why can't I be bothered to serve in in some very small ways or even big ways? If I'm willing to like give it all, why are these smaller things so hard? And the answer is pride, self-importance, lack of humility. Um, mm-hmm. None of those issues are anything that Christ can't deal with. Mm. So remembering who I've been recreated to be through Christ helps me tremendously. Remembering who the people are whom I love also helps me tremendously when I think of humble service to them. Mm-hmm. They also have souls that will never die. Mm-hmm. So all day long, like C.S. Lewis said, one of your own, by the way, (laughs) like C.S. Lewis said, all day long, we're helping one another along to one of those two destinies. Mm. And the people around you, he said this in his essay, The Weight of Glory, an incredible read if you have time. They have free PDFs you can download um, online. Uh, The essay is a longer treatise, but the section I'm thinking of in particular talks about how you've never met a mere mortal it is immortals who we live with work with marry play with all of these people have souls that will never die and that section of the essay is is outstanding mm. uh, when it comes to considering humble service mm. because we remember who we are and who the people are 
whom God has put into our lives to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so verse 11, verse 12, let not sin reign therefore in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. That's all you, that's your whole self, your members, your body parts, your whole self. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. So God has brought you from death to life. That's the new creation life, life that is eternal, life that will last forever. So Paul reminds us of who we are in Christ. And then he gives us specific commands. Don't let sin reign. Don't present yourself to sin as an instrument for unrighteousness, but do this instead. You'll see that pattern a lot throughout his letters and throughout the whole New Testament. Don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do this. But also look for the connecting indicative. The indicative is what is true. So he's already said what is true about us because of who we are in Christ. And then he gives the imperative, the the commands. Don't do this, do this. So the indicative and the imperative are stuck together like this in the New Testament. It's so fun to, as you read your Bible, just look through and see, oh, so, so many of these commands that you might have thought were random or disjointed or just, oh, and don't forget to do that, um, that the biblical writer said, are connected to reality. It's connected to reality because of who we are raised with Christ. We are new creations, so we should live that way. Mm. humble service is part of that another text i wanted to show you in connection to this topic is in first peter four in one peter four peter different writer is talking about service specifically you can pick up in verse seven of 1 Peter 4. I'll read it. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. (coughs) This is a Christ-centered manifesto for ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about spiritual gifts and the purpose for which they're given. They're not given so that you can glory in them yourselves and say, wow, look how great I am at this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They're given for purposes that Jesus has in mind. 
he has designed them. He is the one who prepares the good works for you to walk in. And the goal of all of that ministry is so that he would be glorified. That's the ultimate end and aim, so that he would be glorified in all of those things. Hospitality, serving, um, speaking, uh, all of those various expressions of grace. I love how he says, God's varied grace. There are so many different gifts, so many different ways God uses people to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's all to him, all of it. He's, we're all so different from so many different contexts, so many different backgrounds. Even if you grew up in the same, in the same town, you've grown up in a unique family and among your siblings, even you can tell the differences between you all and your worldviews. <laughs> um, all of us, totally unique, and then gifted in various ways, all for one goal. It's amazing. Think about your government. All of those people, gifted in various ways, trying to do a thousand different goals. And how efficient are our governments at getting things done? Sometimes okay, sometimes not so okay. But we, the body of Christ, are so diverse. Millions of people, even billions, um, gifted in various ways with one goal. To glorify one man, Jesus Christ. And God has designed it that way. And it will happen. And it is happening. So we can have joy. That, that speaks to the joyful aspect of our humble service is knowing that since God has planned all of it and provides for all of it, we're totally confident in walking in all of the steps that he has planned out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really does throw all of the anxieties of ministry into perspective. Um, I don't know if you've ever feel anxious when you plan or prepare or execute any kind of ministry endeavor, or even afterwards, like I mentioned, you know, evaluating, um, you can have joy, indestructible joy, because God's plan, good work for all of us to walk in that will glorify Jesus. Mm. So um, life in the new creation is a thrill a minute. <laughs> there, there is, there is an incredible imagination, spirit-soaked imagination, word-filled imagination that we can use to dream up ways to bring glory to Jesus and love and serve the people around us. I am not lacking for any ideas to serve the people around. I'm only lacking, only lacking in the means to do it, the time to do it, the energy to do it, the budget to do it, all of those, you know, restrictions. We have all of these good intentions, all of these good desires to glorify God in the places around us. Um, And we're met with frustration because we can't do them all. And that, that's, that's a frustration when you get to that point and you're like, oh, I just wish I could do that. I would disciple all of these ladies. I would I would watch all their kids for them. I would do all of this. I would. And in your new creation heart, like you totally would because Jesus is beating in your heart. Like he would and he can and he does. 
but we are so limited in that. Um, so these gifts that God's given us, we can be specific and intentional about how to use those gifts specifically that God's given us to serve um, and still be excited about all the millions of things that you would love to do had you had all the resources to do them. Um, because I believe that God is so honored when we are just overflowing uh, with ideas and ways that we would love to serve him. So um, those are just a few things to say about humble service from two big passages. Like I said, there are many ways to, to come at this. We didn't even look at the, the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Christ specifically, um, but we could look at Jesus and um, all the ways that he humbly served as an example and a substitute for us. Mm -hmm. um, in that, but I'll stop talking. <laughs> no, you're absolutely fine. That was great. Thank you. You've touched on um, kind of going into kind of ambition as well there in terms of service and what our goal should be and Jesus at the heart of things. And um, Philippians, my glasses on, Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more cons um, more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only at his own interests, but also the interests of others. And um, how do you, you've touched on some of that as well in terms of um, putting Jesus at the forefront, but just kind of in five minutes, because I know we're going to look at the, the, um, the essay as well, but when we're kind of looking at ambition and uh, taking that passage into consideration, how do we how do we keep our focus again from our own self and um, that of God's? Yes, to keep the focus off of ourselves and off and on and on God. Um, you know, nothing is is uh, is more humble than prayer because mm -hmm. you're not doing anything physical. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not helping yourself. You're not getting ahead. You're not, you know, taking the edge off of the chores you have that day. If you are sitting, standing, or walking, and your 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 heart is lifted to God in prayer, asking Him for help, you're in you're in a posture of humility, and saying, "I can't," but Lord, you can. So mm -hmm. please, please do it. Please provide. Please do this through me. Um, if not me, someone else. Uh, as I pray for one of um, my kids uh, for their salvation, I, Lord, send someone. I mean, I'm 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 sharing the gospel. Husband is sharing the gospel, pleading, urging, praying, all the things. Um, I would love to to sit with with my, my child and just and walk through. You know, let's repent and, and follow Jesus. But Lord, send someone else too. Send send many people. Send more. I, I I can't do this by myself. I can't I can't bear witness by myself. I need the whole body of Christ to bear witness to who you are and how glorious your Son is. Because they're not just taking my word for it. <laughs> um, open their eyes to Scripture. If it's not me sharing a verse with somebody else, like you have to you have to help, Lord. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. So, but the sitting in a posture of humility, I think is best expressed in our prayers. Um, John Piper calls prayer a wartime walkie-talkie uh, 
you're not um phoning down to the living room for more drinks or something like mm -hmm. you need resources you need help <coughs> you're on the front lines and you're calling for help so in our prayers uh call out to god and help and, and for help that is an extraordinary expression of humility and um when you pray for others uh this is this is something unique that God uses, I think, to endear other people to us as we pray for our friends and family. Um, their needs become our needs. Mm -hmm. We need God to answer that prayer. We're mm -hmm. praying. Um, we become less distant. I think as individuals, um, we tend to just stick around in our own heads and struggle to consider the feelings of others or struggle to consider the needs of others because we're concerned with our feelings and our needs and our wants, and our desires. Mm. But when we take on other people's prayer requests and continually remember them and ask the Lord, if you struggle with this, like I do remembering other people's prayer requests, ask God, remind me to pray for this. I want to pray for this. I want to be so faithful to pray this, to pray for these things because so-and-so is asking me to and i want to be mindful remember but i'm so stuck on myself sometimes and my needs my wants my desires um lord would you remind me and god will do it he will remind you in various creative ways that are just like him um to pray to continue to persevere in prayer for that person and like i said i think it's beautiful how their prayer requests and their needs become our own as we also cry out to god along with that person um uh, for him to to intervene on their behalf. Mm. So um, I would say prayer would be number one uh, thing that comes to my mind in terms of how to kill the root of selfish desires. Mm. Thank you. So we're going on to um, semester five's essay. Um, reflect on a relationship you have within the church and describe how they have sacrificially loved you and what ways you have sacri sacrificially loved others. And I asked you, didn't I, Gloria, if there's um, been times, I'm sure, that people have done that for you and, and vice versa, and if you could share a little bit personally to help us think through our own essays, that would be great. Yes. Um, that was a really easy one to answer. <laughs> Um, I have a dear friend, like a sister, who listens. She has her own large family with complicated needs and uh, busyness life, right? She has all of that on her own. It's not like she sits around bored waiting for me to need you know, to talk to her, to walk with her, to pray with her. <laughs> She's in the middle of it all herself. Um, but she has a very good control over um, what's that word? I'll just describe it. You know how when someone says something and you know the answer, but it's actually wise to let them get to the answer themselves. Mm. Sometimes it's really hard mm. to wait for the answer. Mm. She, my friend is so wise, but she's, so she knows all the answers. 
but she's also wise enough to wait for me to get there without being told by her explicitly this is the answer accepted mm-hmm. <laughs> um she's outstanding at that that requires an incredible amount of patience and practically plays out in long phone calls where I'm sure she's got lots of things to do. Um, walks around in neighborhoods. There's a bazillion things, you know, lots of needs that she could be meeting. Um, and thoughtful prayer on her own that she lets me know about later. I prayed for this. Still praying for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a, a repeated sacrifice that I've seen her make time and time again. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for it because I think if she just laid it all out there and said, look, so this one, do this, this one, do that, 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 that. Okay. Are we done? Can we be done? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure how helpful that would be for the long term in my own discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's such a great role model for me and has served me sacrificially um, and preferring me over herself in all the things that, that she needs to do. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's who I thought of. Mm-hmm. And what, an, what an example to... Not only for you, though, for those around her to see as well, because what we touched on in this semester was also the power of example. And those examples, without even her realising, are powerful, aren't they, to those around her, even if it's non-Christians even, you know, just being there for someone when, like you say, it's not like she's got her feet up doing nothing. She'd have a perfect excuse, really. So great. And what about in, in terms of yourself? Um, I'm sure you've you've done the same for others. And are there times when um, you've maybe, because you know, I'll I'll maybe do things sacrificially, but it'll I'll remind myself there is a cost, and I hope people realise that they <laughs> they're impinging on my time. So how do you how do we um, kind of fight against that as well? in terms of we want to love people well, don't we, and and serve people and, um, and again, putting Jesus at the heart of that. Yeah. Um, in my intro, or, you know, a little bit about me, I did not mention that my husband is disabled. He has a nerve disease in both of his arms. It started when, let's see, our baby... 17 years ago or so. So our children's entire lives um, and a, a very long time, he he's had multiple surgeries, different procedures, all the physical therapies you can imagine, tried all the medicines, tried all the wacky things that aren't really medicine. Um, to, to little, little relief. So he feels constant burning pain in both of his elbows that doctors believe have originated back here in his ulnar nerves. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
he has very little strength when it comes to using his hands mm -hmm. and his elbows especially. So, um, so much so that from an occupational therapy standpoint, he can really only do a few light things with his hands without injuring himself. Mm -hmm. So he can write with a special pen. He can type slowly to do his sermon prep. Um, thankfully, after phones were invented, uh, earphones were also invented. Mm -hmm. But before earphones were invented, he, he couldn't really hold phones and make phone calls or, or text and type very much just because of the strain that that puts on your elbows for so long. Just to give you an example of how hard it is for him um, that, I mean, he can't do any housework really. There's only a few light bulbs he can turn off and on in the house. Um, the other day he, he carried a plate to the sink, an empty plate. He's like, look at me carrying a plate. Um, uh yeah it's hard to think of all of the different accommodations that we make um because of his disability so because it's been so long and it, it covers so many areas of his life i used to be very very upset with the lord about this because um i thought god was ruining things mm -hmm. um i remember it came to head when our first baby was really small and a girl in our Bible study who also had a small baby said that she could not wait for her quiet time on Saturday morning because her husband would take the baby and she could go to a coffee shop and have her quiet time on Saturday mornings. And so she was just so thrilled for that because he was at work. And then on Saturday morning, though, he takes the baby. And I thought, I want to have a quiet time like that. How come I can't have a quiet time like that? Mm. God, you're kind of ruining this. <laughs> Don't you want me to have quiet times like that? I would love to have a baby-free quiet time. Mm. But, you know, that's not, that's not the right mindset. That's not at all how to look at, at that situation at all. Um, but that's the kind of uh, attitude that colored my thinking about um, his disability. Mm. Um, we've been through lots of very difficult, painful seasons with different surgeries and physical therapies that work or don't work to different degrees. And certainly we continue to pray for healing. I believe God can heal him. I believe mm. God's willing to heal him. Um, mm. I know God will heal him. I know mm. outside yes, he's inside someday and it's going to be glorious. Mm -hmm. uh, he uh he's looking forward to those resurrection body arms <laughs> um and can't wait um but reminding myself that god has not brought either of us into this position um to destroy us but to glorify himself and satisfy us with himself in the middle of it has radically changed my thinking. Mm. So while we still pray and still ask God for relief, um, I'm, I am no longer by God's grace, no longer frustrated 
to the degree that I think God has messed up. Mm. Um, so sacrificially loving him is a joy, of course, I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it uh, has to come with uh, constant reminders of the truth that God is sovereign. He has planned all of <laughs> time. Every nerve in my husband's arms, he knows intimately inside and out. Just say a word. All he has to do is say the word and, and he could heal him like this and restore everything. And someday he will. Mm-hmm. Um, he will say rise and we will rise. Uh, reminding myself of those things in the middle of that kind of service is what I need really um, for all of the nitty gritty aspects of life and ministry um, when you're physically limited like that. Um, he, my husband in particular, is, is a great role model for me, speaking of ambition, because what could he do if he had arms? Oh, um, I, I know he's late awake at night thinking about that. <laughs> oh, what if I only had arms? If I could only this, if I could only that. Um, but he, watching him wrestle through the if only uh, problem has really served me because uh, when you are focused on if only, you're not actually focusing on what you can do mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or what God has put in front of you. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, sacrificially serving on my own um, alongside my husband uh, has been the privilege of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but but not one that doesn't come with challenges. Mm.